It's a misconception that Ravenloft is a world. It isn't. Many of the lands and characters that comprise Ravenloft are independent domains of dread. Countless demiplanes hidden amidst the plane of shadow. Dark powers manipulate the domains of dread, and all who dwell within are subject to their cruel whims. They control all. There is no joy, only hopeless shadow. Nowhere is safe, and in Ravenloft, victory is never assured. Even the most stout-hearted hero's will is tested by the horrors of Ravenloft. And the only certainty is fear. Thank you for joining me on this bonus episode of the Cocktie Podcast on Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the newest entry into the D&D collection. The book is available now for purchase wherever fine books are sold. As always, the limited edition deluxe cover is only available for purchase in your friendly local game store, and they're likely to sell out quickly, so grab one as soon as you can if you plan on collecting them. As mentioned in the intro, Ravenloft itself isn't a place. It's confusing because there is a castle Ravenloft in the setting of Ravenloft, but it's in Barovia, which is a specific plane of dread where the Count Strahd von Zarevich lives. No, Ravenloft is a setting and comprises independent domains of dread, each of whom has their own dark lord, mythos, and obstacles. It's a horror setting and helps guide folks who want to interject a bit of horror into their games, but safely. This book is the first to lean heavily into the idea of consent and awareness about people's fears and safety, as well as avoiding the challenging tropes that sometimes accompany the genre. Should you buy it? Well, yes, probably. The only caveat is that if you don't like horror or the idea of horror elements in your TTRPG, the book probably isn't for you. But otherwise, the character options, domains of dread, and horror elements are a fantastic read. In fact, I'm actually just starting a new campaign where I'm playing a reborn, but I love the Dampier lineage just as much. My first impressions about this book are very positive. It seems like a very well-considered resource. The art is horrifying, as you'd expect, and moving away from the idea of insanity in response to horror and toward the idea of fear and stress instead is quite welcome. I really think that Van Richten's is the first book in the D&D line that represents a more considerate and sensitive approach to our game. It started in Tasha's, and Van Richten's is a natural successor. In D&D, there are a lot of tropes that have existed for so long we've just taken them for granted and in a lot of ways don't think about them. But we should. And Van Richten's is a really wonderful step moving away from some of those ingrained tropes and towards a more inclusive game for everyone. Now, if I was asked to give a quote for the back of the book, it would be this. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is a thoughtful introduction of horror elements in 5th edition and actively subverts many of the awkward tropes that are sometimes associated with the genre. The book itself is divided into five chapters. The first deals with character creation. How do you create a character that fits into a horror game? It gives new options for character background and is the first book to talk about character lineage instead of race. The second chapter provides tools for DMs to create their own Dark Lords and domains using custom elements to develop a, a heavily curated horror setting. Chapter 3 provides a deep examination of many of the larger domains of dread and a smaller introduction to many of the others, 
It provides much of the heavy lifting in this book and takes up a sizable portion of its page count. Chapter 4 introduces us into lots of fun and interesting ways to horrify your players, new curses and rules for out-of-body experiences, but also advice for building horror campaigns safely. Fear is irrationally, and applied inefficiently can be traumatic. Chapter 5 includes some new monsters and foes that you might find occupying the domains of dread, or perhaps reside in the dark places of your world instead. Van Richten's builds on the character creations guide in Tasha's, and allows for a more customizable experience. Released now in Van Richten's are the formerly unearthed arcana elements of the Dampir, the Hexblood, and the Reborn. What you get is a more flexible character generation experience. For example, ability score increases are no longer tied to a specific entry, but instead at the beginning of the chapter. Each of the new lineages in the book can apply a plus two bonus to one score and a plus one bonus to another, or you can add plus one to three scores. It applies to any generation method, whether you're doing point by, standard array, or rolling. Each lineage gets one common, or it gets the common language and knows another. An interesting thing about these is that each of the lineages has an ancestral legacy. Thematically, these legacies are different, but mechanically they're the same. If you choose to apply one of these lineages to a character that already has a race, for example, you could choose to keep any skill proficiencies or movement speeds such as climbing, swimming, flying, etc. If you're creating one of these characters from level 1, or you choose not to keep any of those elements, you gain proficiency in two skills of your choice, which is a nice boost. This is new to Van Richten's guide, it wasn't actually reflected in the Unearthed Arcana for these lineages as far as I can recall. More specifically, first up is the Dampir. The Dampir is tied to both life and the voracious hunger associated with vampirism. But for what do you hunger? Blood? Flesh? Raw meat? Dreams? That's one of your character choices, as is your origin. There are eight unique stories you can select as to where you received your horrific background, or you can build your own. It also gives you suggestions on which domains of dread might be best suited for one of your kind. Dampiers get slightly enhanced speed at 35 feet and dark vision. They also get the ability to climb, and they don't have to breathe. Naturally, they get an empowered bite attack, which they can only use a number of per times per day. The Damper is a very cool character class, and I look forward to getting my hands on one to play soon. Next up in the book is the Hexblood. How they came to associate with this fey lineage can vary. Was it a deal with a hag? Or something less direct? Perhaps a deal with some parent was made? Hexbloods can be small or medium-sized, but they're always fey, not humanoid, because they are associated with hags. They gain dark vision and the ability to cast Disguise Self and Hex once per long rest. Perhaps their creepiest ability is the power that they can use to create an eerie token. As a bonus action, you can clip a lock of hair or remove a tooth or fingernail, which then allows you to telepathically communicate with a creature holding such a token, or you can see and hear from the token as if you were there. One note of caution for Hexblood characters, as particularly inventive DMs will use this against you, hags can create a ritual to transform a Hexblood into a hag for their coven, losing all measure of their previous selves, so do be careful when you're traveling through the Feywilds as a Hexblood. Lastly is the Reborn lineages. For the Reborn, death is not the end. Perhaps they were magically animated or stitched together in some sort of artificer experiment, but the reborn live once again. 
Their memories, however, are gone, but from time to time, flash back. In fact, it's one of their core abilities. They can add a d6 to any d20 any d20 roll, and you can use it up to a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Reborn could be small or medium, but while not undead, they do possess a deathless nature and get skills that are more undead than unlive. Eh, that's not really a thing. But they don't eat, they don't breathe, and they don't need to sleep. I, as I mentioned earlier, I started playing a Reborn Artificer, and I'm really enjoying the lineage class combination so far. The dark gifts that were introduced in the Curse of Strahd appear here as well, and as mentioned previously, they're tempting and they offer great power, but that power often comes at a great price. The book includes two new subclasses, one for Bard and one for Warlock. For Bards, who are getting a lot of love from the D&D team these days, it's the College of Spirits. College of Spirits Bards seek out tales of great power and conjure the spiritual embodiment of these tales to enhance their own power and that of their allies. But be warned, spirits are capricious in nature and are not always inclined to do as commanded. For warlocks, it's the Pact of the Undead. You make a pact with a deathless being. It gives great and terrible power, but subservience to the undead is often fraught with peril. The chapter also includes a series of new backgrounds and horror-themed specific personality traits, ideals, bonds, flaws, and horror trinkets that are sure to make the skin of most crawl. A candle made from a severed hand? A shrunken Gremishak head that twitches when magic is cast nearby? A construct that beats like a heart? Okay, thanks, bye. They're absolutely terrifying, but very cool, and nice introduction to a horror campaign. The second chapter is all about creating your own Dark Lord, and gives the DM some ideas on how to proceed. Solicit guidance from your players, perhaps, so that the ideals of their characters meet their antithesis in the Dark Lord. It asks like questions like, who was the Dark Lord before, and how did they come to this domain? These are the types of things you'll need to know to fully flesh out your evil genius and the domain into which they are imprisoned. The chapter also includes a breakdown on the type of horror you can include in your games, and the list is exhaustive. In fact, some genres I wasn't really heard of before. Body horror, cosmic horror, psychological horror, slasher horror, and so on. It's here where we first see the team's focus on sensitivity, starting with the entry for body horror. For example, it says, the genre has a history of portraying disability as monstrous. Be aware of these tropes and avoid them. It, thinking here the stereotypical Igor-type character who would often appear as disabled and be mocked or mistreated for their disability, the warning is a really nice inclusion here and goes very much along with many of, what, many of the things that the team is trying to do. For many of these horror types, you're even given suggestions for plot hooks and incidents settings where the horror type would be most appropriate, and locations in the world where it might be found. This is a section that can be easily used outside of Ravenloft if you're looking to sprinkle some horror elements into a different world, even of your own creation. As I mentioned, the third chapter is perhaps the weightiest one. It includes a deep look into many of the domains of dread we know. Barovia, the realm of Strahd, and home of the aforementioned castle Ravenloft, the Carnival, ruled over by the deceitful Nepenthe, and the Mordia, the realm controlled by Victor Mordenheim. This chapter represents everything you need to start a horror campaign set in Ravenloft. The entries give you the types of genre of horror that could be appropriate for each domain, 
information on the domain and the locations of interest contained there, ideas of adventures, settings, and more. The domains comprise a big part of the book's contents and is a fascinating read. A lot of effort was made to make each of these domains unique. The fourth chapter has seen some negative comments from a minority online. Really, it's just talking about safety tools and making sure that the players at your table are comfortable with what may be difficult topics, because as a DM you just don't know. Perhaps your players are deathly afraid of clowns or spiders. It's not necessarily something you want to subject them to in a horror game. A horror game is supposed to be scary, sure, but without care it can suck the joy and fun out of playing. The chapter advises talking with your players in advance about what they don't want to see in the game, which is a good idea no matter what, regardless of the situation. You just want to make sure you don't cross any of their hard lines. Van Richtens also introduces curses and talks about how you can create your own. Sometimes curses can inspire adventure, and there's detailed rules on creating your own and some examples of pre-existing curses you might want to include. One of the most positive elements of Van Richten's is that it's done away with the idea of madness and insanity in response to fear. We have a deeper understanding of mental health issues and the trauma that these terms can inflict, so Van Richten's instead refers to fear and stress. It's a simple but welcome change and an acknowledgement that we're moving forward in the TTRPG space and being more sensitive to people that may have mental health issues. I'm really pleased with this change. It also includes a very brief sample adventure that you could use to whet your appetite for playing in a horror-themed game. It's fairly short, but it does have, in small doses, a lot of the themes and elements that are present throughout Van Richten's guide. As I mentioned earlier, the art in Van Richten's is a cut above. It's so effortlessly creepy that there are some pages I really didn't want to spend more than a second or two reading before flipping past. I love giving you guys content and doing reviews, but I ain't lingering on page 197 for nobody. All told, Van Richten's is a new start for Dungeons & Dragons. It's a quality supplement like all of them, and includes elements for everyone, players, DMs, and storytellers. It's also taking aim at some of the uncomfortable tropes we used to take for granted and rolling with advantage to dispel them. If this is the kind of product we can expect from the D&D team going forward, our game is in really good shape. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Cocktie Podcast. I'm back next week with another interview. I look forward to chatting with you then.